Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, brought to you today by HelloFresh. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. Today we're going to bring you an episode of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, dated January 5th, 1952. And it will be the Glenn English Matter. This would actually be the second to last episode before Johnny Dollar was cancelled in 1952. Newspaper accounts of the time matter-of-factly mentioned that it was going off the air without a specific reason given. However, a 2018 book by Derek Sculthorpe, Edmund O'Brien, Every Man of Film Noir, notes that while uh, O'Brien liked the role, he did get bored playing one character all the time. That may have been the reason why it did go off the air. Newspapers mentioned that CBS was hopeful that there might be a Yours Truly Johnny Dollar television program. Starring O'Brien, according to the newspaper reports, networks liked what they had seen of O'Brien on television. He'd made a very good impression in two appearances on the Locks Video Theater. According to an interview in 1952, he said that Gil Dowd, who had been an early writer on the series, wrote the scripts in such a way that they could easily be taken and used for television. O'Brien ultimately decided not to do the uh, television show, uh, saying that uh, there's no percentage in doing someone else's series. That's why I turned down the offer. I'm not certain I understood what he meant, given that he would later do a couple of other TV series that other people were producing and writing. But at any rate, uh, it did not happen, and probably would be for the best in terms of old-time radio fans. Because if there had been an Edmund O'Brien television version, even if it had ran for just a se season or two, it probably would not have come back over radio, and Johnny Dollar would be identified exclusively with the way that Edmund O'Brien performed the character. There's a little bit more on the book uh, that I found that I'll talk about after the program. First, I would like to let you know a little bit about our sponsor, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You get to skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers 25 plus recipes to choose from each week, from vegetarian meals to craft burgers and extra special gourmet options. Uh, there's something for everyone to enjoy with all the recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Uh, and there are, of course, a lot of different meal uh, kit companies out there, but HelloFresh has been named Newsweek's most trusted meal kit company of 2021 with over 4 million households served. My wife and I uh, tried out their service. I really love their hearty black bean and poblano soup. They threw in everything, even the uh, blue corn uh, tortilla chips for dipping in the soup. 
wife quite enjoyed their shrimp uh, salad recipe and saved the card so that she can replicate it herself at home. Go to HelloFresh.com Detectives12 and use the code Detectives12 to get 12 free meals, including free shipping. Once again, that's HelloFresh.com Detectives12 and use the code Detectives12 to get 12 free meals, including free shipping. Now we're going to get into the Glen English matter. This starts a bit abruptly. It's missing the opening theme, but uh, from everything I can tell, the story itself is complete. So let's go ahead and take a listen. Expense account to Homicide Bureau, Department of Police, City of Hartford, Connecticut. I in no way expect the Bureau to honor this statement, but since it's my regular form of report, I will use it for convenience. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Glen English matter. My interest in the case has been a purely personal one. I have no fault to find with official procedure after his death or after the two-year-old murder that was at the bottom of the whole thing. I'd known Glenn since about 1947, the girl he married longer than that. In 49, after studying under the GI Bill, he turned in his private operator's license and opened his own law office. Since then, I've called on him when I needed something, and he's called on me. So it wasn't unusual that he phoned me at about 10.30 the night before I read of his death. Johnny Dollar. Hi, Tinstar. Who's this? That champion of perjured testimony? Got any to sell? Nothing that you could afford. How are things, Glenn? Okay. I'd like to ask a favor of you, Johnny. Sure, what is it? I've got some evidence that I want to protect a statement. Did you get a photostatted for me in the morning? Yeah, yeah, I'm free in the morning. This is pretty hot stuff. I'll tell you about it when I see you. In for the night? Yeah. Well, I may come over. If I don't see you tonight, I'll drop in on the way downtown in the morning. So you understand that the way it was put, there was no reason for me to think twice about the fact that he didn't show up that night. But the next morning, when I read about his death in the paper, naturally, our conversation came back to me. I phoned his widow and went to see her a little afternoon. Oh, I... I don't know. I don't know. I... I just don't know what to think. I'm sorry, Donna. I haven't helped matters any. Maybe I shouldn't have thrown this at you. I thought of going to the police first. But I figured it would be better if I had something more definite. There's nothing in his briefcase. Oh, don't think of me, Johnny. Of course you should have come. But he didn't say anything about the case he was on. What did he say when he left last night? I wasn't here. He called me from his office about 5.30 to say he'd be late again. Asked me why I didn't go to a movie or something. So I did. So I didn't see him. Oh, John. Johnny, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know, honey, I know. And that part of it's up to you. Nobody can really help you with that. It did happened, didn't it, Johnny? I'm not going to open my eyes and see you next to me and everything all right again. Oh, I used to dream that way sometimes. Donna, please. But not this time. Now I wish I could never wake up. Is somebody going to be staying with you? I'm going to his mother's house. I can't stay here. You shouldn't try. I'll talk to his secretary and then go to the police. I'm not helping any, am I? Ah, it's all right. Are his, uh, things still downtown? His things? His clothes and so on. Yes. 
They wanted me to bring them, but I couldn't. They'll send them in a day or two. I'll try to help, Johnny. I'll I'll try to think. But right now I don't remember his saying anything. He did say goodbye, darling, on the telephone. That's what I keep remembering. <laughs> been with him very long, Mr. Dollar. Not long enough to know as much about his business as, well, as much as some secretaries know about their employers. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. When I left the office at five last night, he said he had some work to do and would lock up. I asked him if he wanted me to stay, but he said it wasn't necessary. Can we find out what the work was that kept him? Well, he said something about a new client coming in. And you don't know who it was? Well, he didn't say, Mr. Dollar. He didn't mention a name. Uh-huh. You don't mind if I take a look through the office, do you, Miss Rose? Well, I suppose it's all right. Nobody's told me what to do about it. Well, you might as well start getting everything together so we can move it out. Let me know what's coming to you in the way of salary. I'll give it to you plus a month. Yes, sir. I'm awfully sorry about Mr. English. He was such a nice man. I didn't really expect to find anything of value in his files, and I was right. Most of his cases were unimportant civil suits. The only thing that even hinted at possible planned murder was our phone conversation. I realized how vague it was, but I decided to come to the police anyway. I was received by your Lieutenant Frank Dolger, who sent for the reports on the case and led me to his office. Yes, sit down, sit down. Thanks. Well, I don't know, but the way I see it, you haven't given us enough to launch a full-fledged murder investigation. Yeah, there's much I realize there. He was a friend of yours? Yeah, well, I'm not the kind to stir things up just because of that. He said he had some hot evidence that he was going to bring over, and he was killed between his apartment and mine. What kind of evidence? Only that it was a statement he wanted to protect. He used that word, Lieutenant, protect. I suppose you could say he might have meant against fire or something like that. Well, the point is, Dollar, that his being killed could make things seem to be more important than they really are. Yeah. It's easy to read meanings into things, uh, situations like this. You've probably run into it yourself. Yeah, yeah, I have. Didn't you say he thought he'd drop by in the morning? That's right. Well, then he wasn't necessarily on his way to your place. Maybe he went out for cigarettes or something. Well, I thought of that, but it doesn't hold. There's a drugstore a block away from his apartment. It's in the opposite direction. I can't think of a reason for his being at the intersection where he was found, other than that he was coming to see me. Well, I don't know. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not trying to slough off anything that deserves... Uh, come in. Here's the report on that traffic death. Oh, thanks, Wilson. Anything else? No, no, that's all, thanks. Well, we'll see what we have here. Uh, English, Glen L. No, cause of death, multiple fracture of the skull... Internal injuries resulting in cerebral anoxia, possibly tendons. What does it say about his effects? Hmm, personal effects upon person. Overcoat, hat, brown, two-piece suit. We can skip the clothing. Well, let's see then. Signet ring, left ring finger, checkbook on Plymouth Bank. Cigarette slider, uh, oh, here. Wallet containing $38. Driver's license, personal business cards, membership cards to, uh... Yeah, there's nothing there. Well, I'm afraid nothing that looks like this evidence you speak of, this statement. There we are again, Lieutenant. 
It could mean one of two things. That he didn't have it with him and his death was accidental. Or it could mean that it was taken from his body after he was killed. That everything so far is based on supposition. I know it is, Lieutenant. I know that you can't assign a squad of men every time some crank comes in with an idea. If you can bring us anything definite, Dollar. Yeah. Well, believe me, I do understand, Lieutenant. You suppose I could talk to the autopsy surgeon as long as I'm here? Sure, sure. Certainly you can. It's, uh, Dr. Ramsey. And you'll find him a very cooperative man. Proof that the victim was not killed willfully? It appears he was struck and thrown against a parked car, his head striking the bumper. But the automobile, as lethal as it is, would hardly be a foolproof weapon to be used in willful murder, would it? No, I guess not. Is there any way to figure how fast a car would have been traveling to cause that damage? No, not a way in the world. Although the internal injuries would seem to indicate quite some speed. Thanks very much, Dr. Ramsey. I won't take any more of your time. I want to repeat, I have no fault to find with the department. I got nothing but cooperation. The photographic lab showed me the pictures of the scene. The investigating officers gave me their reports. But since everybody's conclusions had already been drawn, I saw or heard nothing that didn't support the theory of hit and run. Everyone agreed it couldn't have been anything else. I turned down a case that afternoon because I couldn't get Glenn out of my mind. I went to the corner where he was killed and poked around in the snow. I didn't know what I was looking for, and I didn't find anything. The people living near the corner had already been questioned by the police and repeated to me that they hadn't seen or heard anything the night before. And that evening, in spite of a promise made to myself that I'd leave her alone for a while, I went to see his wife again. It's all right, Johnny. Something happened to me after I got here and spent some time with his mother. She's so brave, I feel ashamed of myself. I'm okay now. What about you? I can't get any place, Donna. Can you talk with me about it? Sure, I can. It's driving me crazy. I saw his secretary, and she mentioned that he was going to meet a new client. When he called to tell you that he'd be late, did he... Did he say anything about that? About meeting somebody? No, he... He'd been working late quite a bit the past few weeks. He had a case coming up in the morning. I know. I went into that at the office. It's not what I'm after. What did he say? Can you remember? Word for word, if possible. Yes, I can. Because I said most of it. I was being a typical wife. I didn't like him working at night, and I lost my temper. I didn't give him a chance to explain anything. That's what I have to remember about the last time I talked to him. Never mind now. Come on. He didn't mention anybody. Just that he'd have to work late. Will you give me the key to your apartment? Yes. I'll have to go through his things, Donna. I didn't want to ask you to let me when I was there earlier, but now I've got to. I've covered every other angle I can think of. I don't know why I felt almost ashamed about going through Glenn's things, except that a close friend shares with you everything he wants you to know about him. And learning new things because he's dead doesn't seem right. I started with his briefcase again, reading everything in it. I moved to the desk in their living room and from there into the bedroom. In an hour and a half, I was still looking. Then the phone rang. 
Uh, hello? Yes, sir. Mrs. English, sir. No, she isn't. Who is this? My name is Dollar. I'm a friend of hers. I take a message? Uh, I've been trying to get her all afternoon. I, I wanted to tell her that uh, that was no accident uh, how her husband got killed. What's that? He, he was murdered on account of something I told him. Who is this? I'm not saying. Not now, anyway. You're the client who was with Glenn last night? Yeah, that's right. We wrote up a paper. He told me about it. Listen to me. You've got the information I've been looking for. I've got to see you. You go see Warren Kelly. He's the one that had him killed. Warren Kelly? Who is he? Why would he have Glenn killed? Are you a lawyer, too? No, I'm a private detective. Glenn was one of my closest friends. I've tried to tell the police that it was probably murder, but I can't get any place with him because I haven't had anything definite. If you've got some information, won't you give it to me? You're willing to pick it up after what happened to him? Where can I meet you? All right. If you're game, I am. I sure got nothing to lose. You'll have to come here. I'm being watched. Where are you? You know Caruso's Cafe on Front Street? I'll find it. Ask the bartender for Bruno. But you're sticking your neck out. You're liable to end up where your pal is. Just don't change your mind, Bruno. I'll get there as fast as I can. We'll return to yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. Learn how American communities have solved major problems on a local level. Hear true stories of democracy at work on The People Act, a new CBS radio series having its premiere performance tomorrow night on most of these same CBS radio stations. Now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we bring you the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. What do you have? I came to see Bruno. Said you could tell me how to find him. What's your name? Dollar. You see, you buy one drink and look like a customer. Okay. Bourbon and soda, then. Right away. This all right? Yeah, that's good. What's the matter with him, anyway? You going to get killed? I don't know much about him yet. He's my friend since we was kids, so I help him. But I don't like it. I don't like trouble. There. You drink that, then you go back where you see the restroom signs. Yeah. And you see one more door. And through that, you find the stairs. He's up there in the storeroom. The office is at the end. Okay, thanks. What do I owe you? Sixty. Okay. Keep it, and thanks again. Sorry, I got your pal killed. So am I. But he didn't have to take you as a client, I guess. What's it all about? How much did she tell you? Nothing except that he had a statement. He was going to meet me tonight with a notary. and Then he said it would hold some water. What made it worth killing Glenn over? What was in it? The names of the three men that killed him. They got the paper, I guess. They got it. 
Who are these three men? This Kelly you mentioned. That seems to ring a bell. Yeah, he's one of them, Warren Kelly. The other two are Nat Reiner and Alex Shaw. This is what happened. I didn't mean for it to ever go this way. I told you, pal, he was as hot as I was as long as he had that paper. He shouldn't have been out on the street. That part of his past, what happened? Well, not many people know it, but Kelly is one of the big bosses of the syndicate around here. His front is a contracting firm. He got where he is because he got rid of the guy who was standing in his way. Maybe you remember, Ed Waters. Yeah, vaguely. It was quite a while back. Yeah, two years. Kelly wasn't even questioned because nobody knew what happened to Waters. But I do. I was with Kelly when he killed him. I, I helped bury his body. I know where it is. And Kelly's had men hunting me for a year. This is what you put in that statement? Yeah, that's right. Glenn was killed over a two-year-old gang murder? I told him to be careful. I told him how I'd been hunted from here to California to the Mexican border, every place. I haven't had a day's rest since Kelly got so big he decided it wasn't safe to have me around. I, I told him all that. Maybe you forgot to tell him that you let Kelly know you were going to make a statement to a lawyer. No, I didn't do that. But I let him know that I was through running. That I was going to give myself up. The paper was addressed to the D.A. Why'd you bother with a lawyer? Why didn't you go direct to the D.A.? You're hard to believe, Vic. Look, Dollar, I know how you feel losing a friend, but I went to him for advice that... Well, the best way to do it, it was his idea. He, he wanted to go to court with me. Mostly, I think, he, he figured what a splash he'd make by breaking open that old case. How did they know enough to kill him? I don't know. They followed me to his office. I didn't see him. And I had a lot of practice being followed. But I can get him for you. No, no, you don't. We'll do it the simple way. You come on down to police headquarters with me. Now, you don't want to walk out of this cafe with me? Well, let me dust the light and you come over to the window with me. Come on. Right across the street. They're standing together near the bakery. Yeah. One on the left's Nat Reiner, the other's Alex Shaw. They're waiting for me. You're going to have a tough time proving anything about your pal, aren't you? Taking you in will put the police on it anyway. Look at those creeps waiting for me. It's been like this for a year. Every place. Two or three creeps waiting for me. But no more. I'm through running. Well, I guess you asked for it. Yeah, I guess so. But I could count one good thing if I could lay those two and Kelly away. Where's the telephone? It's at the bottom of the stairs into the back. Stay here. I'm going to call the police. See if they won't come down here. Sure. I realized that I still faced the same situation. I was phoning in about a material witness and two suspects in the death that the police had filed as accidental. Lieutenant Tolger was off duty and the desk sergeant wouldn't give me his home number. I gave up in something less than five minutes, but during that time, Bruno Vick had come down the stairs and passed without my seeing him. The first inkling I had of what he was doing was a shout from the bartender. Bruno! Bruno, where you going? Vick! Vick, come back! Where are you going? He's got a gun! Vick, don't be a fool! Ryder, Shaw, you're waiting for me. Vic! Vic! Is that Bruno? Bruno! Is he dead? Yeah. Yeah, he's dead. Who's that one in the street? Which one are you? You're right, aren't you? Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Can't move legs. Don't try it. 
The ambulance will be here in a little while. Well, Dollar, they tell me you finally made a murder case of it. I finally have something like evidence that that's what it was from the beginning. This one is Bruno Vick. He's the one who made the statement Glenn English was killed for. Hmm. The other one over here is still alive. He's not Reiner. Well, how are you feeling? Leave me alone. Tell the lieutenant about that hit and run last night, Reiner. Get away from me. Well, any more? No, Reiner was here by himself waiting for Vic to come out. He fired first before Vic saw him, and Vic just managed to get a shot off before he died. That's a lie. If you want to take the rap alone, Reiner, I'll lie all the way up to the Supreme Court to help you do it. Well, we'll have a little talk later on. Uh, tell me, uh, tell me how this happened, Dollar. Well, Rick was holed up in the second floor of the cafe. I was in the phone booth downstairs when he started out. From what he said to me, I think he came out knowing he was going to be killed. I don't quite understand. I'm not sure of this, but it seems to me that he realized how hard it would be to prove anything in Glenn's death. So he sort of offered his own as something to nail them with. Lieutenant Jones, huh? Sergeant Wilson? Over here, sir. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they seem to have something. This one, sir, Bruno Vick. He was carrying a letter addressed to the district attorney. As testimony in a court of formal law, I don't think Vick's unwitnessed letter would have been worth anything. But under the circumstances of the case, it was pretty strong police evidence. It obviously was as close as possible a duplicate of the statement given Glenn English, in content at least. But it opened, in a way you could call this a dying statement, because I'm not going to run anymore, and they're waiting for me. It went on to describe the two-year-old killing of Ed Waters and concluded with this theory as to how Glenn English was killed. It was detailed enough to keep Lieutenant Dolge on the case until 3 a.m., when Nat Reiner regained consciousness after a spinal operation. Well, Reiner, you know that you would have died if it hadn't been for the work of the police surgeon? That's one thing you forgot to tell me. Did they tell you what you said under the anesthetic? I didn't say anything. Truth serum or a lie detector is going to bring out the same things. Like what? Like where Alex Shaw is staying, 718 Hostock. I didn't say that. You don't remember what you said about Warren Kelly? I didn't say anything. You talked about last night, about catching up with that lawyer, Glenn English. No. You named the street corner. No. I know you're bluffing. How did you know it was Highgrove and Clayton? That's what you said. I read it in the paper. Why should you read about that? It was on the front page. Why semi-conscious should you remember the intersection? I, I don't know. I don't believe you. Believe what? That I said we were there. You and Alex Shore. We weren't there. Where were you? We've got more than you think, Reiner. You've got nothing on me. We've even got the truth about Ed Waters. We know where his body is buried. You want to get mixed up in that one, too? What do you want? Well, first you understand that these aren't police methods. Nothing you're saying can be taken in evidence against you. But you killed a friend of mine. Now I can make the lieutenant go out of the room. We'll get this settled in a hurry. What do you want? First, I want to hear about that hit and run last night. I... I didn't have any part in it. You were there. All right. I was there. And the one who followed Victor, that lawyer's office. His name was English. I followed them home and we waited for him. When he came out, we followed him in the car and at the corner, 
He pulled in front of him when he stepped off the curb and then Shaw got out. Kelly wasn't there? No. No, he wasn't there. But he ordered it then? Yeah. He said we had to do it. What did he say you had to do? He made it look like a hit and run. He had Vic's paper in his pocket. Shaw took that and then we made it look like a hit and run. Shaw slugged him first and then we used the car. Enough, Lieutenant? Yeah, I think so. He'd better get some rest. It's pretty late. I have two squad cars standing by to go after Alex Shaw. I didn't mean it was too late for that, Lieutenant. Do you think he'll be there? He's there. I got a report he arrived not 20 minutes ago. Seven eighteen Harstock, as the department knows, is a building that should be burned out of Hartford. It's been a sore spot, a root of trouble for long enough. It holds twelve families, and Alex Shaw's apartment was on the top floor in the rear. Lieutenant Dolger's men were given positions that covered all the exits, and he and I went up. Yeah, who is it? Police, Shaw. Medicine. What do you want? You were identified as being in that shooting scrape in front of the Caruso Cafe. Come on, come on, let us in. Shaw, I do have a warrant. He's trying something. Let's go in. Okay. Try the panel. I can reach the knob now. The window there. Nelson! Nelson! Nelson, sir! We're in his rooms and he's not here! There he is, Nelson. On the roof across the way. They'd better stop him. He's a killer, Lieutenant. Nelson! Time to open up! Open up! bother with any final entry or any expense account total, since this statement will only be read by the police. But I will include remarks. They tell me that almost every day, murders are being passed off as natural or accidental deaths, only because people don't look at the circumstances closely enough. I'm proving nothing. If I'd been a better friend, I'd have walked halfway and met Glenn English before he was killed. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music by Wilbur Hatch. Edmund O'Brien can now be seen starring in the Paramount Pictures Technicolor production, Silver City. Featured in tonight's cast were Jeanette Nolan, Jim Nusser, Gene Bates, Wally Mayer, Jay Novello, Edgar Barrier, and Bill Conrad. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. This is Dan Coverley inviting you to join us next week at this time when Edmund O'Brien returns as... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Welcome back. And from the end, you can tell Johnny has some 
you know, guilt on this case that I don't think's really earned. He, I don't think, had a way of knowing the case was that serious just because his friend wasn't uh, really indicating it. But it's an interesting exploration of the idea of a case just being uh, misclassified, even while saying that the police were following their procedures and didn't really have any reason to go further until Johnny started digging into the case. There were another couple of interesting tidbits I found from the Google Books uh, version of the book I quoted earlier, uh, is that uh, Johnny uh, was described by O'Brien in terms of what he saw the appeal. Uh, Johnny is an insurance investigator, but we make him human. He makes mistakes. He's not always brilliant and infallible. And that definitely informed O'Brien's method of playing the character, but I think also informed uh, later versions of it. And uh, there was this really interesting thing I had never heard before, that the series had a cactus named the Johnny uh, Dollar uh, at the California International Flower Show, and O'Brien accepted the cactus. So... Uh, just, I guess, where Johnny Dollar was at in the culture. It may not have inspired the naming of restaurants like Casey Crime Photographer, but it did inspire the naming of at least one cactus. Now, listener comments and feedback. And I uh, have uh, a comment here from uh, Myron, who said, I listened to this episode via podcast over my iPhone, but due to the sound quality of this particular episode, I could not clearly hear the part detailing why Collins was killed by his nephew. And this was uh, the Maynard Collins matter, and why it was determined to be justifiable homicide. Can someone fill me in? I believe this is the right episode. And uh, Jenny uh, said the say, had the same question. I think I heard the nephew. Ralph makes some reference to his mother. Did Collins threat to, tend to harm her? Well, in answer to that, uh, what Ralph actually said, uh, there was part of it that did not come through very well. But he stated that Maynard had been bothering uh, his mother. Um, and I think it's, that's left kind of deliberately vague for adult members of the audience to kind of fill in the blanks with their imagination. And maybe uh, the original listeners might have had something more in mind, or if the audio before it was a bit clearer, uh, people might have had a better idea. But yeah, Maynard was definitely doing something with the nephew's mother that would uh, leave a jury to uh, acquit. Wish I had more specifics, but I don't actually think the script was ever uh, going to be more specific than that. Well, I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Natalie, Patreon supporter since July of 2017, currently supporting the program at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support. Well, that will do it for today. If you are listening to this on YouTube, uh, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We will be back tomorrow with The Silent Men, and then next Friday, our final Edmund O'Brien episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. 
In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.